0: For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Ben Wilder, the Director of the Desert Laboratory on Tumamac Hill. Welcome Ben. Thanks, Tim. Ben, I know a lot of people walk up and down Tumamac Hill every day and are aware of the laboratory, but what does the laboratory actually do?
1: Yeah, so. I guess the easiest way to say that is we study the desert. We take the pulse of the desert. I don't think too many people realize how wonderful and truly rich Tumamak Hill is. It's a wonderful place to get views of the city, for rejuvenation, to relax, to work out after a rough day or rough week, be there with friends. But we're really walking in, in the history of our region. Where As you walk up that hill, you're taking the same path that people have have taken for thousands of years. And within that, you're within a living laboratory where there's a multitude of ongoing research experiments um, happening at the moment. So even though we have
0: lots of people around Tumamak Hill, it's still pristine enough
1: desert that you actually can do an experiment? It is one of the more uh, well-positioned research laboratories, tracks of land, I think, to understand changes in our desert as perhaps any other site in arid regions in the world. And that is because it's been studied for over 115 years. We have plots uh, of Sowaro plots, for example, that we've been following the same individual saguaros for that entire period of time. So how many people work at Tumac Hill? Well, we have a uh, strong core staff of about two and a half uh, people. <laughs> Um, but there's a, a really wonderful community that's ever growing of about twenty core individuals that, um, either being uh, soft uh, money, either um, meaning grant-based researchers, or volunteers, emeritus faculty. The curators of our vertebrate paleontology collection are emeritus, um, and what they've been able to do in a year and a half time or less since being there is, is amazing. Taking one of the best fossil collections in the region um, that was in bad condition and bring it to prominence again. It shows what a dedicated core group of people can do.
0: Can you give us an example of one of the more exciting projects going on there now?
1: Well, so right after we finish repaving the road, we're going to launch a project that we're uh, developing with the Confluence Center for Creative Inquiry here on campus. That's called Cuente Memas, or Tales from Tumamoc. It's like StoryCorps for and We have a mobile recording studio where we're going to be um, listening to stories from those that walk and use the hill to really understand and really delve into that connection between people and place. And because that connection is especially strong and unique with Tumumac Hill. And so we want to hear people's stories. So be on the lookout for that, as well as our spring lecture series, which is focused on the Vaquita Marina, um, the endemic porpoise on the brink of extinction in the Gulf of California that will be running through the spring. What is your personal research? Yeah, so I am a biogeographer and, uh, and a botanist. So I study why plants are where they are. And so looking through a bunch of different techniques and going back uh, through time and across space to really understand, like, how did the desert evolve? And the species that we see around this, we actually know that 13,000 years ago, the landscape of, of the Tucson Basin was actually full of juniper and Joshua tree. Where did that all go? And why do we see the saguaros on Palo Verdes today? Where were the saguaros 13,000 years ago? And then as a part of that, where is everything going into the future?
0: And in Tumamac Hill, do you see changes over the course of the 100 years that Tumamac Hill has been operational?
1: Yeah. I think one of the best um, examples of those changes, which are a myriad, is within the saguaros. When the first uh, saguaro census was done in 1908 by a scientist named Volney Spalding, he mapped... Every saguaro on the Tumamock and A Mountain property, thousands of plants, they saw that there were very few young saguaros, very few saguaros about a meter or less in height. And that caused great alarm. What, what's happening to the Are they, Is there a drought? Are they dying out? And actually, that concern led to the formation of Saguaro National Park. At that time, Homer Shantz, the president of the university, at the suggestions of the lab scientists, purchased land, that is on the east side of Tucson that then became Saguaro National Park. It turned out that the saguaros actually reestablished themselves on decades-long periods of time, and those right conditions for new establishments hadn't come up. Subsequently, they have, and we have a a very strong um, community of young and, and old saguaros on Tumabaka.
0: Thank you for coming in, man. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.